Welcome to Curious with Josh Peck. Start the show. Yeah, yeah. Check, check, check. Bong, 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 bong. Strong. <laughs> I went to a chick's house the other day to do, like when I was in New York to do a podcast, right? Uh huh. And I get it was a, first off it was a Teen Mom podcast, so I was like, hell yeah, I want to do a Teen Mom podcast. What does that mean? Like they from get the together, show, they get together, they talk about Teen Mom. Great. <laughs> that sounds like something my wife would like. Biggest <laughs> uh, ass of listeners. Really? Mm-hmm. I can believe that. It's like a wrap up show. Mm-hmm. Wow, respect. They they definitely found the lane. They started letting them do, uh, they started letting them do, um, like, the after, they do, like, total requests, like, dark and stuff like that. Right. Like, after the Teen Mom show. Uh-huh. And they've been doing the podcast, like, a few months. And how was it? Uh, I got there, they had a board, and, like, the board was fucked up. Like, it just, uh, <laughs> it just kept on humming, and they sat there for, like, an hour and some chains trying to figure that out. Oof, that and hurts. Then, uh, and then they ran to the store, and they got a new board. Jesus. What, was, they, what did they have, a local guitar center close yeah, by? Yeah, they had something. They went <laughs> yeah. to some, like... They call, They did it very old school. Like they called the people. They were like, uh, they were like, "Can you hold it? Uh, we're gonna come and get that right now." Like somebody's mom and shit like that. Right. Oh man, that's like my greatest fear. I'm also afraid that that one day I'm gonna be recording and just not. It, it won't have recorded the interview. That's happened a lot. That's terrifying. Are we recording now? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but eat, enjoy. I like to get some of the, uh, you know, like the beginning. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? So you were saying you get, you get invited on a lot of podcasts. I do. Yeah, I bet. I do. They're very on trend. I, uh. They're in fashion. This is my thing. Let me finish eating. I just want to let the listeners know I went to Whole Foods. There's a bomb croissant right here. (laughs) But, uh. I got a beautiful croissant assortment. One's made of pretzel bread. Don't ask me how. I'm, I've learned. If I'm doing podcasts, I want to do podcasts with my friends and people I like. Right. Not people I just met. Oh, because what do you do? Because like after a while, like you start talking and then you realize like, yo, I don't, I don't even know you. Right. <laughs> I don't know you. I don't know this show. I don't know your sense of humor. Right. We're just here. I wanted this to be a 15-minute podcast. It's an hour now. Hour plus. <laughs> Oh man, I've been I've seen podcasts and certain people and God bless them who like it's not particularly funny. Yeah. I mean and like they're going 80, 90, 100 minutes just digging in. I'm like, dude, get in and get out. Right. I've done some where it's like I and I could feel it cuz I have uh, maybe it's a, a comedy thing and only cuz I've worked in economy uh, comedy where you feel such an economy of time like yeah. get it out as quick as can as you can and Bolt. Yeah, and you know when people are over you. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you can feel it immediately. Like, I was interviewing my buddy the other day, and he's a showrunner creator of the show Billions. And he's super, I mean, incredibly talented, smart, and, like, bless me with an hour was so nice. But, like, around 45 minutes, he's a busy man. I could, like, see him checking the emails. Like, he needed, you know, he needed to get back to work. And I'm like, let me wrap this up real quick. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You don't, I don't need another sign. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you know, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> right. He was ready to move. 
Do you, it's funny. I interviewed Saget the other day, and he was like, "You're the tenth person to invite me on their podcast this month." The tenth person this month? Yeah. Uh, I don't get asked that much. I really don't get asked that much. But because they know you're a good guest. Uh, I'm a decent guest. I'm a real decent guest. This is going incredibly so far. So I'm going to venture to say you're an, you're an amazing guest. I'm a decent guest, but some but you know what things like I said when you're doing it for people you don't know, right? And like podcasts you don't really know, you'll get there and be like, right. I gotta start learning to say no to these things. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be there like, this doesn't benefit me anymore. <laughs> right. Totally. Have you seen any, have you done a podcast and then all of a sudden gotten like some great return from it? Like, I heard you on the Teen Mom wrap-up show. We'd love to give you five episodes on CSI. Uh, <laughs> Not that good, but people have listened to the podcast that I've done and I get a lot of feedback from it. Just randomly. It's random what the people hear you on. Right. Because, you know, I do podcasts. I've done like. Opie, I did like Opie Radio a few times. That's huge. Yeah, back when that was like going on, going on. And uh, it's crazy what people hear you on. Right. Yeah, you do that like once and then people are like, okay. Do you find like there's a – because I, I notice at times there's a grassroots nature to sort of building your footprint or your fame. Yeah. And so randomly like obviously there are like the big wins and you do a show like Love or I do my show where it's like you know people are watching it. Yeah. But then you'll find a fan who's like, son, you – on like the Teen Mom wrap up show was exactly. my jam. Yo, you, yo, take the ten <laughs> was my shit, man. Do you ever get that? A lot, really, <laughs> a lot, really. Yeah, I, that makes me happy. Yo, people love people love take the ten, man. Take the ten's a good movie. Yeah, it's fun. I just revisited it a few days ago. Just watched like two or three scenes from it, and I'm like, this is so my kind of movie. Yeah, you know what's crazy? I didn't get it until. I'll go because I'm on tour. I'm on the road all the time. Right, and I'll go to like somebody. Say like you meet like a comic somewhere. He's like, "Yo, let's go hang out with my boy." Or my boy's got some weed. Let's go get it from him. And I'll go to people's houses and like they'll just be watching Netflix. Like they'll just put on a movie. Right. And just watch the whole thing. Like they believe in that percentage thing. And it's like if this says eighty percent, I'm gonna watch it. Right. And they see it. It's crazy. People that do the Netflix deep dive. Yeah, they've watched it, man. They believe in the program. They believe in it. I I remember doing that movie and getting sent the audition tapes because I was signed on early on for the character of Greg, who you played. And I just remember seeing it, and it was like one of those. And you hear that a lot, too, when someone gets a role where it was just like you turned to each other and said, yeah, there's – He's the guy. There's no one else to play this role. So as soon as you signed on to the movie, I was like, this is going to be great. Nice, nice. And we could just play. That was a good time. That was a good time. Um, so you are on the road. You're going to Denver next week. Yep, I'm in Denver, Colorado. So what's the road like for you? Uh, the road is cool. The road is cool. It's uh, I'm meeting people for the first time. Well, some of these dates is like my third time going back, so... I'm really building like the old school fan base of just right. going back to a place and killing and then coming back and letting people know and people tell people about it. Yeah, the road is cool. I'm kind of get I'm kind of over it, but it's cool. Cuz do you like I've I do these college games. Not over it, but like I know what's happening. <laughs> right. I mean, do you like I do these college gigs where in a very small way, it's it's like touring. Like recently I was in Virginia, Philly, Pittsburgh and New York over a week. And I'll do anywhere from like 500 to 1000 kids, comedy, Q&A bit. 
and I, I lose my mind in one week. Like I will find myself in a Marriott courtyard at like 10 o'clock at night contemplating my life, <laughs> like the choices I've made. And I'm like, this is why road comics all are drunks and yeah. <laughs> do drugs. Like, because it's, I mean, there is a, unless you're with a good squad of people, like it's a trippy experience being on the road, right? Yeah, it's interesting because you're in, we're in like LA and New York. And then we go to the middle America and you're like, oh, you guys don't give a fuck about none of that. Like, right. <laughs> none right. of that progression. It's just, it's just happening here. You guys are just banging. Right. You guys are just white people procreating. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just, it's just, it's just poor people having sex. It's crazy. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you, Say you're going to Denver or or even somewhere more middle of America like St. Louis or what have you. Do you curtail your act or form it to that specific place? Lean on certain things. Um, I found out that going to play, going somewhere, you'll you'll learn something about where you're at, or right. you'll pick up like a you know a common joke or something like that. So yeah, you got to kind of come out and identify with them. So I always end up. What irks me is that I go to a place, I get there Thursday, I'm like, okay, this is, okay, I see what jokes work, boom, boom, boom. Friday, I'm like, all right, cool, let's do this. Saturday, I've dealt with them from since Thursday, so now, like, from crowd work and everything, I know more about the place, I know things that, like, are inside jokes. And on, like, Saturday, I'll tell a joke, like, the first show that's, like, that's, just, like, about, you know, a local joke, and it'll kill. Right, and then I'll be like, "All right, I gotta do it the second show, and I, it'll kill even harder." And then I'm like, "Man, I wish I would have been telling this joke since Thursday because it's only one more show." <laughs> right? Yeah, and I'll know no when I'll ever be able to tell this joke again. <laughs> You're getting those high-powered local local yeah. observations. Yeah, local observations. They love that. I, I I guess I'm giving myself up now, but when I go do these colleges, I have this one hack that I do every time, which is I usually get there about an hour before and I'll meet with the, the college newspaper or what have you, and I always say, tell me three inside jokes about campus. I do that all the time. Right? That's what you're supposed to do. It's brilliant. Yeah. And like, so I'll be like, where's the local bar where everyone gets shit housed? I'm like... What are people turned off about? So it's always like, this is a bar we go to. I was recently at Slippery Rock University, and they were like, and Slippery Rock's our mascot, and there's like a real rock, but no one touches the rock because everyone pisses on it. And I'm like, got you. And I just went out there, and I was like, my hand smells like piss. I've been touching the Slippery Rock. And do, <laughs> do y'all want to go to Grant? Uh, it was like G Hill was the name of the bar, and have a drink after. They lost their fucking minds. <laughs> I'm about to steal that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stealing that joke the next time. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you. It, there should be like just a comedian like um, the social media app where you can exchange. Just like, like, a, just like stock jokes? They just yeah. put stock jokes in there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're going to Fordham? Got you. <laughs> Here's a stock joke for New York. Here's a yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. And so when when you're on your own, on the road, what do you do to keep your sanity? Smoke weed? Uh yeah, smoke weed. <laughs> um now do you have any I always wonder this, do you have any trepidations getting pot through TSA? Not to blow up your spot and uh, we can cut this out. <laughs> uh, well, because I have friends now who are, are in California and it's leaving illegal. California. Right, leaving California is a nerve, but like they have their pens or their little vaporizer, and it's it's nothing. Yeah, they I don't, don't I don't really worry about vapes. Or they anything. don't think twice. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't think twice about a vape or anything. Right. Uh, weed, I'm like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, you don't want to chance it. Yeah, I don't. I don't chance it. Uh, 
Yeah, I, but I don't have a problem. I, I reek of weed, so I don't know what it is. It's like I just have this weed face. <laughs> so, like, right. I'm the guy, like, every time I'm somewhere, I'm the guy that people walk past, like, got that bud. Right, they know. <laughs> <laughs> and my friends are like, why does nobody ever say that to me? They can pick it up on you. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's just something about my face. that just They're just like, yo, got that. Right. Even though I don't want to buy from that guy, but he's always around. It's good to know that he exists. Yeah, he's around, and yeah. I attract it. In a pinch, you can always go find that valet at yeah, the, I could at the find Radisson. Yeah, find that tourist sack. That's what I call him. I, you know, when I used to smoke a little bit more and, and I was, you know, out there sowing my wild oats, I did find that I would find, like, people that were, you know, uh, similar companions of the life in which I was living. So now I'm, I feel like such a square, like I'm married and I'm sober. And so I never, like, people will be in the bathroom smoking pot or something. I'm like, do you guys smell marijuana? Like, <laughs> where did this come from? Or like, someone's doing cocaine? Like, where where could they have found such a thing? But back then, I mean, it, they find you. People people could see it in your eye when you're like. Oh, hell yeah. I don't know what that is. <laughs> It's like it's like they just know where the party is. It's just it's just the laws of attraction. <laughs> so, let's go back. Let's go back to you grew up in South Carolina. Yes. What what part? Grew up in Georgetown, South Carolina. And what's Georgetown like? Small, just a small town, paper yeah. mill town, steel mill town, you know, very, you know, that's what people do there. That's the that's the economy there. So, if you're not doing that, you're not making money. Right. So, yeah, it was cool to grow up there because it was a real town. Uh, when I was in, like, middle school, the stale mill closed down. So, like, everybody lost their jobs. And, like, the town's been, like, crazy ever since. And did it – I mean, how how big of a town are we talking about? Like, you guys had a Walmart? Had a Walmart. Strong. A McDonald's. Bless. And that's about it, man. Really? <laughs> there was a, there was a t- super center was that there never a, closed. A main street? It was a front street. There's a historic district, you know. It okay. burned down. Okay. <laughs> uh, it burned down la- like a few years ago. Solid. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting place. I was just there. I was just there, and I was like, "Yo, I got I got to get my life together." I'm like, I was so happy my life is together. Right. Like I went there. Like sometimes I'm in LA. Like, what the fuck am I doing? I went to South Carolina. I was like, "All right, I'm good, man. These days were good. I'll get back to work." <laughs> yeah, everything's going well for everything's me. Everything's right going now. very well for me. Is that a tr- like? I'm from New York City, and one of the greatest, biggest cities in the world. And yet, I I still have those moments in New York where I'll walk down the street where I used to live and think, "This is my old life." Like it'll bring back that weird sense of nostalgia that's like super melancholy. Like. I'm glad that I had this experience, but I never want to go back. And that's New York. So I imagine South I Carolina. That. I do that with New York, too. I kind of really? do that with New York, too. Like, when I go back to New York, I'm always thinking, I was here with a goal. Right. I achieved that. <laughs> Let me go back to L.A. Are you, because when we were shooting Take the Ten, you were kind of being bi-coastal. Are you mostly here now? When yeah, you- I live here now. When we were filming Take the Ten, I lived with my, I was staying with my brother. Right. And, um... Yeah, I have my own place now. And you're flourishing. I watch your IG stories. You recently got a plasma screen TV, you a know, flat screen. You know, living the life. All right, that Netflix money. Yeah, you know, you see it. Doing I. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, and growing up in South Carolina, you come from a big, you're one of eight, right? Yeah. So, but there's a big spread with the ages of the siblings. Yep. So how many kids were at home when you were growing up? I only grew up. 
I grew up with my brother Kenny for a while. Okay. But I was only at home really with my sister and my mom. So and so you and your sister are the babies. Yep. And what was that like? What was your what was your experience like? Growing up, it was cool. It was really cool. It was chill. I didn't know anything else. And uh yeah, since I grew up with my sisters, it was cool. I my you know, my dad wasn't around. But I had I had so many other brothers that were that were old enough to Male be figures. Yeah, that were old enough to be my dad that you know, it was like I had five. Right. And did you have any awareness of like because I remember did you ever meet your dad? Oh yeah. But he just wasn't wasn't. Yeah, which around. didn't like uh yeah, it's a long story. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he uh he lived in New York. My mom my grandmother got sick when I was, you know, she was born and my mom moved the family, which was me, my brother Kenny, and my sister to South Carolina. And yeah. Baby, 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 got another ad for the listeners. Guys, RX Bar wants to build things the right way. You know, sorry, they like to do things the right way, which in this day and age, ah, it's few and far between. Listen, RX Bar believes in the power of transparency and lets the core ingredients do all the talking with all of them listed on the front of the packaging. You'd likely recognize RX Bar on the shelf. They're the ones who have egg whites for protein, dates to bind, nuts for texture, and other delicious ingredients like unsweetened chocolate, real fruit, spices, sea salt, cinnamon. Guys, I mean, listen, I'm a huge fan of RX Bar. I carry it in my backpack whenever I need like a little quick, like not trying to go eat a, you know, like a full meal, but I need like a nice holdover, something that I know is going to give me that, that fuel to produce to produce the hilarious auditory experience that you guys get to get to have kind of well not really look rx bars are great for a number of occasions i'm talking breakfast on the go snack at the office to push you through your 3 p.m slump throw in your bag for the plane toss in your backpack for a bike or a hike, and listen, RX Bars, they come in 14 delicious flavor varieties. I'm talking mango pineapple, I'm talking chocolate hazelnut, peanut butter and berries, chocolate sea salt, and many, many more. So listen, I've got something exciting for you guys. For 25% off your first order, visit rxbar.com curious and enter promo code curious at checkout. Yeah, that's rxbar.com curious Enter promo code CURIOUS. You're welcome. Who are you? We know that somewhere in the world, someone downloaded this podcast, but we don't know anything about you. The people who support this show would love to know just a little bit about who is listening. If you have two minutes, it really does only take two minutes. Help us make the show an even better experience for you by telling us more about yourself. Just go to listenerq, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R-Q.com slash curious and take the short survey. You can also give us direct feedback on the show, which we would love to hear. And as a thank you, you'll be entered into a drawing for a $100 Amazon gift certificate. Yeah. Two minutes. ListenerQ.com slash curious. That's ListenerQ.com slash curious. Did you ever feel like when talking with like older brothers and siblings who had been out of the house probably, you know, 10 plus years when you were when you were a kid, did you ever feel like they had a different 
upbringing than you did? Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah, they had a crazy upbringing. The stuff they talk about, I'm like, yo, I don't even know if I'm built like that, dude. Just the amount of fights and the right. just the, like, living in New York, I'm like, I don't even think I would have wanted to live here when that was going on. It sounds so wild. Yeah. Yeah, they're just like, yeah, back in the day, we fucked this dude up, and then and then you used to fight these dudes over there, and then you didn't want to go down there. Like, and I'm Hectic. like... Hectic. I'm like, that sounds horrible. They <laughs> right. were like, it was the greatest time of our life. <laughs> You're like, I just went to the local Walmart. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I went to school and came back. Uh, Everything smoked weed every fine. now and then. <laughs> <laughs> not not good weed in South Carolina. Not good at all. No, no way, right? But I didn't know any better. Right. And there's, I mean, they they don't mess around with pot in South Carolina. No, they right. don't. They don't. I got I got expelled in high school for having a seed in my car. A seed. A seed. That seems like they need to really reform their rules when it comes yeah, to that. Yeah, it's crazy down there. I mean, it's incredible how schools can literally fuck up. I mean, luckily you had other things going, but like, had you not been a comedian entertainer, they could have royally fucked your life by expelling you for that. I mean, they already kind of royally fucked my life with this South Carolina education, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, I, I could be I could be moving a little bit faster than this. <laughs> it's, yeah, you know what thing is? South Carolina education was horrible because it wasn't even till. You know, they're just always like, you got to go to college. You don't want to be shit. You got to go to college if, if you want to be shit. And, but they never really told you about college. They were just like, you got to go to college if you want to be shit. They didn't break down the levels of, you know, you know, what you majors, could add, yeah, how to majors, get in, a good exact, college. Yeah, what exactly you could do. Everyone was just like, I want to be a business major. I want to yeah. be like, all Communication. these fucking, yeah, these fucking vague ass, you know, <laughs> Like, you know, these vague career choices. And, yeah, so I was just like, fuck college, man. I was like, I don't want to go to college. I'm like, I don't even like free school. Like, so why would I pay to go somewhere else? (laughs) So I was like, just get me out of here. Like, fuck college. It wasn't until I was, like, 21 and I'm working. This was the cool thing. When I was 21, I was working a production assistant job. I had a PA job. And uh, all the interns were also my age. What show? Uh, totally biased on uh, FX. Solid. Yeah, what, what was uh, that? Tamal like? Bell. Oh, okay. Uh, my brother Chris was the EP. That's how I got the job. Wow. <laughs> All right. I should have been interning, but I had a I had a paid job. A little nepotism never hurt it anyone. It was cool. It was cool, but it was like um, meeting because my the the kid I met there that was the intern. We actually live together now, but he was like we said to each other. It was like uh, he told me like when I met him. He was taking all these writing classes and all of this stuff, and like he was so into like just comedy writing yes. in in college. And I was like, I didn't even know you could do possible. that. I didn't even know that was like a thing. I didn't know you could be a comedy writer in college. I didn't. I didn't know that coming yeah. from South Carolina. And then like you know, my brothers and stuff are so far away and stuff. And I was just such a rebel kid. I didn't want to hear what anybody had to talk about. But in, then teachers weren't telling me this either. So it wasn't until. You know, I was 20. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, damn, I got to learn this stuff, like, on the fly, like, as I'm going. Yes. But him meeting me, he was like, damn, I thought I had to go to college to get this job. And here you are already. (laughs) You know, I'm I'm around a bunch of delusional people at school going super hard for the job you already have. (laughs) Right. So, like, we met each other and kind of, like, like, you know, just piggybacked off each other. And you're like, well, your last name isn't Rock, is it? Yeah, I'm like they they couldn't fire me. So, <laughs> did you? It's it, <laughs> it's interesting that you say like 
because what, you know, having your brothers be in the business and being so successful and yet was there a part of you at a young age that kind of wanted to rebel against the family business? Were Is there you, a part of me that wanted to rebel against? No, I mean, not really. I always loved the family business. You loved comedy. Yeah, I loved comedy. From I, a young age. I love comedy from a young age. And what's your first, like, because I can think about, you know, it's funny. Uh, Howard Stern always talks about that his father was in radio. Yeah. So, of course, he went into radio because he wanted to be heard by his father and yeah. recognize it's something that he felt was of worth he, that Howard did. And similarly, like, my mom always love like the honeymooners and the golden girls and great television and comedy. So it's no surprise that this is where I went. Yeah. So for you at a young age, did you, were, can you recognize a moment when you were like, I love this or this is a value. Like being funny is valuable. Being funny is valuable. When did I realize being funny is valuable? Uh, I just always loved it. I was just always around it. Right. And then I went. This is I, I think this is the story. Then I went to in seventh grade. I went and hung out with my brother Tony Tony Rock on he was on tour one time like on the road just on the road. He had just did all of us, which was a UPN show. Okay. Back when you know upn was the shit popping yeah back Wait, when you can monique back... no not Mo- monique was on upn yeah uh the parkers yes it was brandy uh yeah it was okay. yeah this is but you gotta think upn like upn was big because there were you you had people had antennas and they could only get the first 10 show the Channel ten, 9. 10 channels yeah yeah they, they could own that was in massive houses throughout america right with only 10 channels so <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, he was hot. I'll say that to say he was hot killing on the road. It. He was killing the road for the like the first this was like the second time. I don't even know where he was at on the road. I feel like he was just starting the headline and he had been featuring for a long time before. But I know I went to visit him in Tampa, Florida. No, Jacksonville, Florida. The comedy zone in Jacksonville. How Florida. old were you? I was thirteen. Okay. I'm in seventh grade. So however but old you are in seventh grade. Old enough to be awake to the idea of life. Uh I might have even been in sixth grade. I might have been in sixth grade. I know College Dropout came out that year. Okay. Uh, <laughs> great, great album. Yeah. So um I'm there, I'm watching him perform every night. We're waking up in the afternoon. We're eating French fries for breakfast. I'm it's like, a this dream. is the life. I did a it was an open mic going on like on Saturday and I was like I'm gonna go to the open mic I went to the open mic I'm like 13 I killed the open mic really I'm like, oh shit this is crazy do you remember any of the material uh, I actually tell one of the jokes I actually still, still tell one of the jokes every now and then that's a good bottle of wine that joke yeah I still tell one of the jokes every now and then like 14 years later still 14 going years strong. later still like if I'm like trying to finish a set I'll just put the mic in the stand and tell that joke. Bless. So do you think that you had had, were these jokes that you would tell your friends and then like were these bits that you had like weirdly practiced in your normal life and then threw them up on stage or were you just doing crowd work? They were weirdly well-written bits (laughs) that I had written just from watching like Comic View at the time or something like that. Just observations. Yep. Wow. And had you ever said them out loud? Yeah. To your family, your friends? Yeah, I think like, I probably told my mom or something like that. And she was like, that's really funny or that's really clever. But that was my first time seeing if it could float. And you crushed. Yeah, it was cool. You were like a Chinese gymnast with no fear. It was it was <laughs> beginner's luck. Yes. That's what they call that. And did you proceed to bomb 
after that? No, I just never did comedy again for the seventh grade. So I didn't do comedy again for like another four years. Typical story. Yeah. You know, <laughs> peak in seventh grade, take high school off. And, yeah. And, and so who, I mean, I imagine that your brothers aren't the only funny people in your family. Is everyone funny? Is everyone? Uh, my mom's real funny. Yeah. Like I'm kind of jealous that, I'm, I'm kind of jealous that my brother Chris is older than me because I watched Bring the Pain and stuff like that. And I'm just like, this is just what my mom says at the house. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm like damn like all this good material just was at the house yeah you're just stealing from from mom's bit about us not cleaning our rooms yeah exactly and then and then certain things will happen like i'll have certain jokes in my head and then i'll watch like an old special or like just an old set he did back in the day and i'll be and he'll tell the same joke i want to tell like in like a different way and i'm like fuck yeah how do i even get there now <laughs> do you you know the one thing like and and just as an outside observer and watching you and Tony and Chris I mean I feel like all of you guys are so talented and yet totally have different styles and yet there's and I wonder if it's something from if you notice your mom had or it's just your family like there is a cadence a, a slight verbal cadence that that you guys share that's inherently rock you know what I mean and it's it's great it's like being you know, the son of a great singer or the brother of a great singer. Like, do you do you notice that? Um, Not the cadence. I mean, I, I guess. I do a little bit of things that I notice, but I just, don't know. There's like, uh, and it's just, because it's just fam. I mean, I see it. My, my wife is one of four kids. And I think just amongst siblings, there's from everyone being around the same jokes and growing up, they you know, they have a similar way of, of delivering certain things. And you'll just, do you ever pick up on that or not? Oh, really? yeah, I pick up on that for sure. Right. I pick up on that. I do things every day that people are like, yo, that's that's Tone right there. That's Chrissy right there. Right. And I'm sure your siblings that aren't in the biz are the same way. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, all the time. Do you think that's from your mom? Like, or yeah, it has grandparents? To be from the family. It has to be. It's, it's, uh, it's genetic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And then, so you're growing up and you're into stand-up and, grow, I mean, you seem, I, you know, I think of why I'm, and I'm not a stand-up, but I, you know, I've always done sort of more comedic stuff. And I know why I'm funny because I was fat. Yeah. <laughs> because it, <laughs> I always want to say, like, my buddy Britt has a great line where he says, funny people are usually funny for very unfunny reasons. And, or I, I've dated girls in the past, you know years, years before I met my wife and, and they would try to be really funny. And I'd want to say to them, like, there's a good chance that I'm funnier than you, Yeah. but it's been born out of pure misery. <laughs> so like, if you grew up handsome or attractive your whole life, you didn't need these skills. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. That's true. Right. That's, that's the truth. But like, you seem like you were, I, I would imagine you in high school is like a cool, normal, like you seem like a, like just a cool kid or were you not? Uh, I was in between. I was in between. I could have been cooler. I just didn't know how perception worked. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I didn't know because everyone in school. I'm in South Carolina. I didn't know that if I just would have nodded my head and said, "Yeah," <laughs> yes. like people would have thought I was rich my whole life. The coolest. <laughs> yeah. If I, if like, if people would have been like, "Oh, you Chris Rock's little brother, you you rich." And uh, if I wouldn't been like, no, cool. come on, you got, I'm just chilling. If I would, if I would have been the kid, like, yeah, 
Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm good. I'm, I'm doing just fine. Yeah, <laughs> I would have been fucking on a thousand. Cool by association. I, yeah, I would go to I would go to school and I would spend all my money on weed and then go to lunch and be like, yo, can I get a dollar? Can I can I get a dollar? Yeah. And people would be like, yo, why is he asking for a dollar? If I would have never asked them for a dollar, <laughs> do you know who they thought I would have been? <laughs> oh my god, God! If you had only held the dollar request. Exactly. And. So, so you're funny in, in high school and you're sort of cultivating this thing. Oh, did you, I mean, it, it's sort of more present than ever and not to go like on a serious note, but like growing up in South Carolina, did you face any sort of like some of that backward South thinking um, I was from pretty, other people? I was pretty aware of it. I was very aware of growing up in the South and racism and Confederate flags all over, but it's interesting. The the spiteful racism doesn't really come out until you get older. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah, spiteful racism doesn't really come out of people until like they're like they're older, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. when they're in school and stuff like that, it's more of just ignorance if they're racist. Right. And then some people are just, you know, they're all hanging together and they're still learning and stuff like that. I don't really think it's till like you're not doing good in life that you're just like, nigger. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think like you gotta I think like you gotta get beat out by a few black people and then <laughs> right. and then you get to that point. Well, it it's also like you find that these things are so many times where you've seen these very stereotypical racists in, in whatever form, it, it's born out of a lot of that they just like when you're at school, you're in this melting pot and you're forced to face people of different uh, backgrounds and culture and ethnicity on an everyday basis. Yeah. But then if you live in a small town where everyone looks like you, it's easy to cultivate these ideas if you're if you're of that mindset that, oh, those people out there, they're the bad ones. Yeah. But then they, they're face to face and like, I don't, I always want to be like, really? See, you know what the thing is about what I also was good for me, like I said, I got expelled in 11th grade. So I, when I was in, where I went to school from, First grade to 11th grade was the small town, Georgetown, where it was major. the schools were majority, you know, black, right? majority black, minority white. So, like, you know, I was in a, a total subculture. You sure. know, I was in, like, a total of just, like, that's white people shit, that's this, that, you know, like, just crazy subculture. If there's, like, a goth kid in class, you know, he's the weird, like, he's the, the weirdest, weirdest motherfucker. Like, there'd be goth kids in class, and, you know, I remember them getting teased, and then, like, they'd leave, and you wouldn't see them for the rest of the school year. I got I got expelled, and uh, I got expelled 11th grade, so that's right where, like, you don't want to meet anyone else. <laughs> yeah, so you... I go to this new school, and I'm only focused on graduating, and it's majority white, minority black. So, like, it's there. I'm there for the first time, and I'm like, you know, I see the goth kid that was in my back of my class. It's like 10 of them now. <laughs> you know, yeah, they got now he's got his clique. They got a whole clique. Uh, you know, I'm just watching the way other people live life. Right. And that really changed me in 11th grade, I can say that. And then 
Well, I, I'm so fascinated of like, well, in, in the high school where the minority was to be like a white kid or the goth kid or what have you, like, were you aware of what their experience was like amongst like... Oh, it must have been tough. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been tough, man. Right. That's why I'm, I'm, uh, every time I see like all this like bullying stuff and like school shootings, like, I'm sorry to say this, I'm like, man, how did I make it? How did we make it out of Georgetown High School a lot? <laughs> how did we do it man like yeah i used to see kids get teased for no reason and so you decide that you're gonna be you know when when does it sort of switch on for you again to revisit comedy and to start like perhaps making it your your thing because i'm in trouble in 11th grade i'm just getting in a lot of trouble and i can't talk i can't say i can't you know, say what I want to say. I can't express how I want to f- express about certain things without people going, that's stupid, or what are you talking about? And so comedy was the outlet to do that. It was the outlet to have five minutes to say whatever I wanted to say and not have anybody interrupt me and say, you know, the wild things I was I was feeling at the time. And were you sort of, who were the comedians that you were watching at that age? Who was I watching? I was watching my brothers for sure. Right. And uh, Dane Cook. I love Dane Cook at that age. Man, people sleep. You know, he gets... uh, Dane Cook is... Oh, man. I'm going to get fucked up for saying this. I feel like sometimes Dane Cook becomes like the nickelback of comedy. Yeah. Where he's like this easy target. But I listened to Dane Cook two days ago and I was like, this material, this is like him doing Madison Square Garden and his first big He album. actually brought me back into being into it. Like, he crushed. Yeah, he was. He rock was, star. He was, he brought me back into it. Like the, where's the handle joke? Right. That was one of my favorite jokes ever. And I just used to love how he just could go from topic to topic without any kind of you know, segue, like, even though that's what people hate about him, that was kind of what I loved about it at the time. Well, what, I mean, you're, you're true, true stand-up, and now you've sort of risen to these ranks of, like, you know, you get a lot of respect. So what do you think it is amongst fellow stand-ups, why he, he gets, um, people hate on him? I wasn't there. Right. I wasn't there. But what about now? I mean, he's still, he'll, he'll go up and do the comedy store in the Laugh Factory. Yeah, we're Factory. actually doing a show together tonight, actually. Really? Yeah, at the Laugh Factory. Solid. But um, I don't know. I wasn't there because, you know, he's not my peer. He's, he's, he's a comedy, you know, he's also a comedian, but he's not in my class. Right. So I don't, you know, when you're, it's comedy classes. So it's like your class is the person that's talking about you. Right. So I'm not in that class. So I wasn't I didn't come up with the comics or I didn't come up around Dane Cook. So I don't know how he just rubbed people. I don't know. Yeah, you'll never I mean, it's a really hard I mean, listen, I did a show called Drake and Josh and I didn't invite Drake to my wedding because I had a very, very small wedding and whatever. No need to get there. But for one year I was literally hated, like deeply hated, especially by most of Latin and South America for this one transgression of not inviting the guy that I did a TV show with 12 years ago that I hadn't spoken to in a few years to to my wedding yeah. of that I could only invite you know 30 people from my side because it was like closest family and friends. But and it's like they don't know they, they don't, don't know, know. <laughs> but they decide they they closed my Facebook. <laughs> they literally trolled everything I did for one year that I was like guys it, well done. You win. 
like if you want to be mad and I like tried to like do a bit of explanation, but you know, once that starts, there's no explaining. Yes, yeah, no explaining in 2018. Yeah, once they've turned the fire on under your feet, like you you're going to burn like a witch. Yeah. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> um so do you think you could distill down one major personality trait to like what's the if if being tall is to basketball players what is is there a certain trait amongst comedians that you've you've observed or noticed over the years that you all have uh a certain level of self-deprecation right self-awareness and self-deprecation so you have to be self-aware of who you are and how people are looking at you and what's coming out of your mouth but you can't always just be like I'm the shit. Right. <laughs> Even if you're like I'm the shit, you got to be like I'm the shit but I'm also a piece of shit. Because that's a specific like you would see that and Delia does that a little bit now and Dane Cook used to do that more like there has become that sort of genre or that specific type of very confident comedians that are kind of like i'm dope they're not the steven wrights going up and saying i'm a piece of shit they're like nah i'm dope and here's why you're dumb yeah right yeah you can be you can be that but you still you say i'm dope here's this that and then you still tell a story after that about you doing something kind of vulnerable you know right it's all you know it's a balance it's a real balance you got to have that level of balance you can't just talk up talk down everyone all show and not yourself at any point how do you deal with hecklers? Um, do you get them? I do get hecklers a lot on the road. I get hecklers a lot on the road because people want to test my comedy gangster. Ah. They just want to see if I really have it. Some people come and they're just like, this is just a rock. We're always just up there for this. And, uh, yeah, they always throw things out. But it's, it's okay. I'm always just like, I would love for everyone to like the show, but if you don't like the show, it's okay. Well, I think there's a part of that too, and and just in me doing these small college gigs, I've had to employ some of the things that I've learned from great stand-ups that I'm a fan of, and I I was listening to Mark Maron the other day, and he just, first he talked about embracing the silence, like not being afraid to not have a joke every single second, because the audience will pick up on your desperation to to have them laughing every second, and I feel like your brother and Chappelle and are sort of ushering in this new wave of comedy where it's like, I'm going to get so honest here and relate to you and open up a part of myself and I'm going to sandwich it in with like two killer bits and then I'm going to take you on this journey and give you a story. And like all of a sudden I find myself watching that and th- and I think I I have a, an, an entirely new level of appreciation for these performers. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you gotta have a long set to do that. Right? <laughs> you gotta yeah. have a long set to take somebody on a journey. You, you ain't doing that in an eight minute yeah, set. You're not gonna at take somebody on a journey in fifteen minutes. You better just come out there and sing the hits. And are but how are you? Because now you're headlining and and going around traveling. So how long is your headlining set? Forty minutes? Uh, you know I do hours sometimes. Wow. I was doing an hour and some change, but I use a lot of jokes. So now I'm trying to just do forty five straight, like just bam, hit forty. 50, like, get out of there. I tell them, light me a half an hour. Uh, I get off, like, around, like, 45, 50 every single time. Just because I did a lot of jokes. So I'm kind of restructuring my set to try to tell the jokes in ways that if you saw me before, it's a new structure and there's new jokes in there. And, you know, it's a a whole thing. And do you think – oh, going back, because I wanted to ask one more follow-up on the heckler 
bit. What do you think is inside the personality of a heckler or like what's deep in their soul that's allowing them to get up and fucking interrupt a show in front of everyone? Because they think they can do what you do. They think it's easy. They right. think they can do it. That's the, that's the weird thing. Like Jerry Seinfeld said it. He's, he's like, comedy is the only thing that people look at and they're like, I could do that if I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> I could do it. I could do exactly what, he, what he's doing right now for a career if I wanted to. I'm just not doing it, right? <laughs> right. Like my friends find me hilarious. Yeah. I'm the funniest guy at H&R Block where I work. Yeah, it's, it's the weirdest thing. It's the weirdest thing. I mean, that's one thing that kills me. I feel like it's performing in general, be it a, if you're a singer or an actor. Like, I And I even I, I resent when you'll see like a really talented singer or someone with a lot of success who will just say, I, I think I'm going to try acting now. I'm like, oh, word. Word, you're going to take this role from me because you got more followers, bitch? Right, because like... <laughs> Because you're inherently charming, but you never took an acting class in your life, and you're probably actually good at it. But like, I feel like athletics, and then also things like a pilot or a doctor or a lawyer are. We revere these these professions so much because we know that you can't just do it. Yeah, that you need ten years of schooling. Maybe not for a pilot, but like you need a shitload of schooling, and then you need to be accredited by the state to be allowed to do it. But like acting or a comedy, you just be like, yeah. Yeah, he's good. He's good. That's my man's. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I watch a lot of movies. <laughs> yeah. I could do that shit. Exactly. Just don't look in the camera. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got <laughs> Just make it like real, conversational. Right, it's real. Like I'm talking to my friend here. All right. <laughs> right. I, you know, it's, it, but it is an interesting thing too. And, and I'll, I'll see that, especially whenever I see someone who like has the balls to get up and heckle is that. There's like, I just feel like it's a six-year-old kid screaming out on the playground to be like noticed. And then they've got, and they've got the alcohol jet fuel to like make the fire. So what you got to do is make the show. If they want to be noticed, you got to put the spotlight on them and let them know they're not winning. Right. (laughs) And let them fizzle out in front of everyone. Yep. But I've also, I mean, I've seen stand-ups turn it on a heckler and viciously destroy them for... 20 minutes. I mean, I'm not we that get, guy. I'm not that guy. Have you, but I'm sure you've seen that before. I've definitely seen that happen before. And what, how, how are you feeling then watching it as a comedian? It can go either way. Like, sometimes you're like, good for you, and other times you're like, damn. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, yeah, it can go either way. Right. Because if the, if the crowd is on the side, or, you know, if there's laughter after everything he's saying, it sounds a lot less meaner. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I interviewed Lisa Lampanelli a yeah. few weeks ago, and she was talking about the one time that she really eviscerated a, a heckler in the audience. And she's like, I just went after her. She's like, we're in Vancouver, I believe. And she's like, I just went after her at her core, which I just said, you're fucking basic. Like, you're fucking normal, and you're nothing. Like, you're nothing special. You're nothing either way. Like, and she just proceeded to crush, just like you're, you, you leave no imprint. People forget you immediately. (laughs) And I was like, oh, like that's so brilliant and vicious (laughs) and admit. And I'm sure, you know, if you caught me at the wrong moment, I could go for someone's, you know, deepest insecurity. Basic. (laughs) You know, I'll never forget. That reminds me of being in Denver. I'm in Denver with, uh, with Heavy, you know, Okay, heavy. our mutual Jeff friend. Jeff Danson, Heavy. Jeffrey. And the heaviest Texan, this Flourish. chick. 
Oh yes, he's please tell this, this story. Okay. No, no, this is not. I don't. I don't think if this is the story. You okay. Think of, but he's texting <laughs> this chick, and like the chick is like giving him the runaround, and he just looks at me. He's like, "Bitch, I don't care how many dudes in Denver are trying to talk to you." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like. He said that, and I'm like, yo, every time I'm, like, somewhere, and I'm trying to talk to, like, a chick, and she's like, I just, uh, I'm like, yo, I don't care how many dudes in Cincinnati (laughs) are trying to talk to you right now. I realize you have a lot of resources in Rochester. (laughs) Listen, I don't care how many dudes in Rochester want to take you out for a drink. I'm here right now. Oh my God! Do you think we can tell? I mean, I've done Heavy's podcast three times now, so I think I think he would allow. Can we tell the story about him and the girl's number in his phone when Yo, you guys were on the let road? Me tell you, please. Messed me up because they were <laughs> they were the girls I bought Ugh. to the room. Uh, but no, uh, we went to Denver twice in a year with right. Pete Davidson. We were opening for Pete. Uh, in the Denver Comedy Works. It's our second time in a year. First time we go, we meet these girls. Girls are cu- cute as shit, but one of them is definitely cuter than the other one. There's sure. definitely a leader, as always. Happens. But they're both they're both pretty girls. So we're hanging out all night. We exchange numbers, and we leave. We leave Denver. I'm texting the girl like, hey, I'm back in Denver. Da, da, da. She's like, okay, cool. We're going to try to hang out. Da, 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 da. I'll be downtown whenever. Da, 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 da. Have and Peter like, yo, we're gonna go for a walk. Okay. They leave me in the room, say we're gonna go for a walk. Fair. They run into the girl, Ugh. one of the girls from the night. Sure. And she's like, hey, heavy. Like, runs up to them, like, forgets Pete. She's like, heavy. She didn't even see Pete. She's like, heavy. That's runs huge. up to heavy. It's like, yo, what are y'all doing later? Da, da, da. Have's like acting like, you know, Hev doesn't even remember he's met the chick. So he's like, yeah, you know, da, da, da. probably go, go after the show, probably go back, have drinks, whatever. To flourish, cool for you school. Know, flourish one time. Thriver. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> she's like, let me get your number. And he hands her the phone to put her number in. And she starts to type her number in. And her number is already saved in the phone oh. as the ugly one. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like, what? Come on, bro. That's incredible. <laughs> Long story short, I've never talked to that person ever again. <laughs> well, if you're listening um, to the podcast now, he meant the ugly one in the most adorable way. <laughs> that was so rude. Oh, my God. That's just like worst nightmare territory. <laughs> Ooh, that hurts. That's like sexting the wrong number. Yeah. That's bad. Oh. Um, well, everyone follow at heavy with like four V's because he's the best. Three and V's, I think. <laughs> three V's. Two V's. <laughs> two just V's. look up just look up heavy. Yeah. Jeff, thank you for letting us tell your stories on the pod. Hey yo, what's up? It's Josh. Um, listen, we got a quick ad for you right here, and then we are gonna get right back into the podcast. We are just gonna we are going to jetpack ourselves right into that conversation because I'm loving it. Anyway, do y'all know about Mack Weldon? Well, if you don't, you should. Why? Well, no big deal, but Mack Weldon makes the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you'll ever wear. Humble brag, okay? Because, look, they believe in a smart design. They believe in premium fabrics and simple shopping. Recently... 
I just bought like a bunch of essentials, some boxer briefs, which listen, I'm a boxer brief guy because I like, I like the coverage of a boxer, but I like the security of a brief. Okay. And I bought some socks and some, uh, undershirts from the website. It couldn't have been easier. It was like two-step easy checkout. It arrived in like two days. There wasn't like a nine-page checkout phase where they want to make sure you're not a robot. And then like they want to know your mother's maiden name and her hobbies when she was in sixth grade. You know, these websites are crazy. Not Mac Weldon. Nope. Sorry. Nah. And you know what else? They have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial. <laughs> yeah. Because I know some of y'all out there, I mean, you're all good people, but a couple, you know, a couple of you guys got a, got a little stink to you. Anyway, listen, I've got a special offer. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code CURIOUS at checkout. That's MacWeldon.com, enter promo code CURIOUS at checkout. I love this stuff. It's actually really dope. Um, all right. Enjoy the show. Bye. And so, you know, like Mitch Hedberg has one of those great one of his great jokes, which is like, comedy is the only thing that you get really good at it. And then people say, well, can you do anything else? Like, because they always want to give a comedian a sitcom or a TV show or a movie or what have you. So like for you, what's, is there, is there a goal in that way? What's, what's in the horizon? What's in the horizon? I'm just trying to write. I want to, I want to be in more control of everything I'm doing. I feel like in the last Three years, three, four years, I've just been on the ride of getting into the business and, you know, learning the business. Because, you know, it's all new to me. So I'm just learning it as I go. And I'm just looking to gain more control of it. So right now I'm just writing. Hopefully, you know, be hopefully I can create a show or be a part of something good. You know, I just want to show people I can write. I'm already acting, so that's going to go. But I think the next thing is in the writing. Is there any end goal to not to one day step away from the comedy or is that like your lifeblood? Comedy is my thing. I just want to do, I want to have more control over it. I don't want to be on the road every weekend. I want to be on the road when I feel like being on the road. I want to have, you know, a gig for six months or whatever. And I sit and and I'm in LA every day and I have a schedule. And then in the summertime or the off season, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a week, two weekends out the month on the road, or I want to do it like that as opposed to just running the way I have. Yeah, chasing it a little bit. Yeah. What's one thing you hate about the road? Because I feel like, did you not go on a Delta rant the other day on IG? Oh, they <laughs> no, they lost my bag. They lost my bag. Oh yes, and you had some incredible hype beasts. You yes, had some. Yes, I had. I had a. I had a fifty-year-old kid's dream in my backpack. You had some <laughs> a, a Game Boy and some multi-thousand-dollar. Yo, you clothes. know what? I, it wasn't that much in there. It wasn't that much in there. I just wanted it back. Everything, right. everything expensive was actually in the bag that came. But I just wanted that bag back. And then I got home and I was and I looked. I had so much shit at my house. I was like, I don't really need the bag, but I was the principal. I was like, Nah, I need these t-shirts. Yeah, understandable. <laughs> these are some incredible uh, collabs. These t-shirts. Exactly. I um yeah, it's amazing too. I was recently in in Italy with my wife, and and our bag got lost, and it really ruined the trip because I was like, It's gone. We had nothing. And inevitably, what's incredible is three days later, the bag showed up. Like, there is a brilliant system in place, like, where most bags are found. But as soon as it doesn't show up, you're like... You're like, somebody robbed me. Somebody robbed me. They looked in the bag. They knew what it was. They saw the dope shit. (laughs) They wanted Jordan Rock's t-shirts. Exactly. 
Um, and so what's like one of the things that makes you feel like when, when you made a little bit of money, what was like one of the things, like, what's your thing? Is it, you know, wearing dope Supreme collabs? Is it like, what's the one thing you indulge in? Um, the one thing I will probably just Supreme easily. Um, Supreme's easy for me. I don't know what it was. Like I spent so much money on it when I was broke. That it were just you on turns Supreme over. early? Because I feel like it's it's having quite a moment over the it's last. It's having two a moment years. right now. Um, I was probably on it around like two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Right. Like right before like our future, and then they came and it like went up, and it was still cool for another two years. But then after like two thousand, I would say after like two thousand thirteen, it's just been on something crazy. The the rise after 2013 is crazy. And it's funny you bring up Odd Future and, like, I was listening to, like, are you a fan of Tyler? Oh, or, yeah. So I'm, I'm fascinated by that. I was listening to Michael Rappaport the other day, and he was talking about Tyler, and I, I think we share a similar view on it, which is, like, I think he's dope and super impressive, and I know that he's good at so many things and, and that he has this devoted fan base, and yet I can't tell you a song. Like, I just don't, like, where where are the bangers? Like, uh, you gotta just listen. It's not. Go it's not bangers, man. It's projects. Right. It's a project. It's not it's a bang. Yeah, yeah. It's a. It's a score. It's a. It's. It's deep. It's, I don't know. You gotta. You gotta listen to it. You can't just. You don't just appreciate bump it. the whole thing. Yeah, you don't bump it. You put it on and you play the whole thing. Right. It's not just like a single. Yeah, and then also if you weren't if you weren't a frustrated like <laughs> if you weren't a frustrated uh. 15, 16 to like 23 year old between the years of them first coming out. Sure. You probably missed the wave. Like if you were, if you were happy around that time, you weren't, you, you weren't there. You, you weren't there. The full expression. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, it's, I, I feel like too, uh, you and I, once we, we had a long ride home from Palm Springs. You remember that when yeah. we shot that short? Yeah. And Where is that? Can I see it? I don't know. It exists, some, right. maybe, perhaps. All right. Um, and you were sort of like, I, I. first of all, I don't know if you remember, you talked about sort of the Kanye, Kim Kardashian, sort of the, you felt, it, I thought it was such a smart observation just about, you said like, they live their lives in the public. Like, they've given their lives to us. Yeah. And like, do you... I mean, do you reconcile that as a performer? Because you're sort of living in that space now where, like, the next 10 years, you could become that, where you're living your life out in the public. And you've told me, like, I have no qualms about it. Like, I'm ready to be, like, comedy's Michael Jordan. Like, uh, <laughs> you know? I'm just – I'm chilling now. Because you know what's <laughs> happening? I just get how people talk about things. And I also get how simple just doing it is. Right. So – that's what's really got me is I'm just I'm just aware of how if you just do it, they'll come. Right. And it's something about this. Uh, what's got me now is knowing that there's a bunch of just 18 year olds and 21 year olds getting lo getting let loose on the streets right now from college and, you know, high school. Just a bunch of people coming out there that think they know what the world is. It's really gotten me to just like, all right, I'm going to just go into my cocoon and create. And then when I come out, you know, it'll be something. Right. Uh, but you don't have any qualms about saying, like, you're, how old are you, 26? Yeah, 27. 27. Like, you have, I mean, at 27, I was about to get engaged, and now I'm married, and, you know, probably have kids soon. Like, you, I love, what I respect about you, you were like, 
I have the lion spirit. Like I am here to, uh, my ambition is what's important right now. I'm not settling down. I'm g- no, like, because that's listen, what you man, need though. Listen, bro. You like, I was that's, just having this conversation. I, <laughs> I was just having this conversation with my ex. And I know, I know, dude, I've never made 28 grand a week, 20 grand a week. If Hell I had yeah. a, if I had a TV show for a few years to ever make that kind of money to Fair. put up, Fair. Of course, I would want to settle down, but <laughs> I'm trying to go get that. Like, all, like all my friends who like have had like real jobs, like real series regular jobs. Sure. Like, of course, they want to settle down. They've made money. They've put it up. They yeah. can. They could afford to settle down. They could afford a woman. Like, they could do everything. They got that. that security. Yeah, exactly. I don't have that at all. So like, I get that. Like so, like yeah, and I, I just had this chick. She was like, "Why, why don't you want to be with me? Why don't you?" I'm like, "I'd have to make twenty grand a week just to deal <laughs> right. with you." Just right. to- <laughs> she's out there like cold calling, getting you auditions. Yeah, I'm like, just to deal with you, like trying to get you a job. So yeah, y'all I don't, can I'm get like, I, I'm like, you want me to put down roots? I, I can't put down roots yet. Right. I'm trying to like, if if once I get past that two seasons, all right, good. I'll definitely have a girl. Yeah, like. you're like, I'm doing yuck yucks in Iowa right now, all right? Exactly. We can't settle down. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I know. Listen, I, I, I've i been blessed with a certain level of success in traditionally in TV and movies, but I, like you, having, you know, I, I had a long, I've had a long career, and so, you know, I'd have a good year, and then uh, two years where I was, you know, just getting by. And then over the last five years, now that I've been able to make some money from social media and sort of start a business that way and not be beholden to like, oh my God, I got to get this guest star on like, you know, CSI bed or whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like now that I have a little security because I can create my own income, I think it's why I got married and, yeah. you know, and I live in on the west side of LA now and not the valley. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I understand. That. You know, I see that clearly. And if people can't see that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like I need to I need to do the things like this. I feel like my like you said, you, you've had a long career. I feel like my career is just starting. You That's know? And it's exciting. Yeah, man. What about like I also on that, you know, where I feel like you and I really had our heart to heart on our long drive back to L.A., you talked about what you appreciated in Chappelle, and you said that when he would do his incredibly long sets, that he he was sort of like the phantom of comedy clubs for a few years. Like he would show up and sit there and and do these like two hour, three hour sets. And I thought what was so smart was you said he was fortifying himself to be ready for anything that he could talk about anything. Do you remember telling yeah. me this? What will you speak more on that? Yeah, Chappelle would just come in to clubs forever. Uh, he wouldn't come in and do the middle spot. He would come in and do, like, the last spot. He would get on stage, and he would just stay on stage for three hours, three, two, three, four hours. And he would just talk. He would go, like, hey, man, where you from? And they'd be like, I'm from China. And he'll be like, you know what's crazy? I just came from China. Right. And try to make a bit right there. Then try to ask them questions about it. And meanwhile, you know, he's recording this whole thing. So he would just do that over and over and over again. So that's why when you go to shows and people heckle him or throw things out, he's like, hey, you know what? I have something for that because I've been in this situation before. Yeah, he's just ready. Yeah, he's out of this world, man. I love Chappelle. So what do you – you know, I feel like it, the the current sort of like political landscape and whatnot is so – we're hearing – I mean it's it's a – 
it's a joke factory right now out there, yeah. right? So do you find yourself like wanting to comment on that or do you kind of more stay away from it because you know so many comedians are talking about it? Well, I heard Trevor Noah do a bunch of Trump jokes a few months ago and I think nobody in the world should even t try to do Trump jokes. <laughs> that's right. how that's how good his jokes were. I was He's like, so Dang. brilliant. I was like, everyone else should just just put the mic down. But uh, I, I you know, I got to tap it. It's the elephant in the room sometimes. So they have they kind of want you to touch it a little bit. I try to stay in the middle of every political argument. I try to be apolitical. Right. Um, yeah, that's just my whole set. I'm in the middle of everything. Do you notice in uh, it's it's interesting, like I'll see sometimes when I go and do these college gigs or even if I'm watching comedy at a, at a club that sometimes I'll just see an energy in a comedian or I'll notice it in myself on the sets or the times where I feel like it doesn't go well. That I'll be like, there's just something and I could see it from a mile away when they got on stage or when I got up there where I was like, I'm just not in the right place right now to make this as good as it can be. Do you ever notice that? Do you see that? Um, in other comedians where you're like, he's not in the right place right now. This occasionally, is not going to go yeah. well. Yeah, if you want to see a comedian lose his mind, come to New York and see a comic do a Monday spot after they just open for their famous friend somewhere. <laughs> right. Go see your boy at New York Comedy Club at a 7 o'clock fucking Tuesday spot after he just came back from opening for, you know, Dalia at a fucking college somewhere. Right, 3,000 like people. people. <laughs> Watch him lose his mind when 12 people don't think his joke he just told that for 6,000 people is funny. And is it, what do you think it is? Is it because he just got felt the roar of a... Yep, of a it's, the, it's the high and it's the smack, it's the come down. Right. Yeah, the come down. Or, you know, some people just have real lives. You know, you can't be funny every night. Yeah, I mean, that's, you have to accept that as well, right? Yeah, people have lives, so it's like, you know, it's a lot of stuff on their mind. Do you find that, that uh, because I've also noticed that with certain gigs that I do, if I, you know, I have, I have some stories, I have some, like, little bits, and it's not stand-up, but it's just, you know, comedy, talking about my career, that I know go over well. And sometimes in certain places, I've just steamrolled the crowd, where I'm just like, I'm oh, just... Oh, you're in robot mode. Right. What, speak more to that, because I think that's interesting. Uh, you, I had to break out of that. Because you deny the crowd's existence, and they want to feel like they're there, too. Yes, you really deny the crowd their existence. It's weird. I, I went through that in New York doing comedy. In New York doing comedy, you'll reach like this weird, this fucking weird period of your life where you're just like, you I don't know, it's weird. You're just being like vet mode or robot mode. Or, right. I don't know. It's like comics will be like, I do four spots a night. I'm just, you know, I'm working, working. And it's like, dude, you're doing four spots a night. It's not four good shows going on tonight. You right. know what I'm saying? So they'd just be in robot mode. And you get this thing where you're, you're like, the crowd isn't, it's just, you know, you're not looking at them as individuals or anything. It's really weird. And you have to just refocus yourself, recenter yourself. And, you know, I don't, it's really weird how, I don't even know how to word it. You know, you got to really just get into it. Like, I reserve my energy just for shows. So, like, all day you'll be hanging out with me, and I'll just be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And then I do the show and I'm like, yes, like <laughs> Yeah, you're plugged in. Yeah. And I had to learn how to I had to from doing it all the time, I thought I had it and I had to like re, I had to go back in on that. I had to learn how to do it all over again. Why like five years later. Because there is a weird balance with what what any sort of artistry, right? Which is that yes, like you need to be obsessed, you need to amass the ten thousand hours, you need to do it. Yeah. And yet there is a weird alchemy magic to, you know, really nurturing that energy and making it special yeah. for that crowd. Like in a small way, I remember this year going through pilot season and I sort of made a decision. I called on my reps. I'm like, send me out for everything. I was like ninth lead on a fucking procedural, like, like law and order, uh, San Diego. I'm in. And I found myself, you know, going out for five auditions a week and going and going in and nothing became special anymore. And I'm just kind of walking through it like yeah, a zombie because yeah. I just couldn't, nothing could be special. I couldn't give anything the time it deserved Yeah, because there was a part of me that just was like, get to work, you know? Yeah. I actually did the exact opposite this pilot season to where I was just like, no. Right. <laughs> and sometimes you got to do that. Lots of no's. no's. No is my new favorite thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, no is my new favorite thing. I, well, right now, as you know, in, in the industry, I feel like you can't be a white guy saying no. I know, I know. It's, it's, it's getting really colorful. <laughs> in a good way. I mean, you know, there's like a lot of initiatives going on. And I think, you know, it's a good, we're finding the balance that has for so long needed to be there. I mean, there was, there was all, it was, I don't know what the balance is. People act like, you know, Whoopi Goldberg never happened. Right. <laughs> I Gold mean, that happened in the in the early '90s. I love Sister Act too. Exactly. I mean, it, I'm like that happened. Like you go back through to, like the early '90s, mid '90s, early thousands. There's tons of black material there. Right. It wasn't until we got the Soul Plane we fucked it all up. We put a little <laughs> right. bit too much money in the Soul Plane. It didn't recoup. <laughs> black movies have been on defense since. I've been dying to see Snoop play a pilot again. <laughs> I've got to say. I mean, I heard he's in Flight too. Really? <laughs> he said, oh, shit, we got a motherfucking situation. <laughs> um, all right, so let's – all right, so we'll wrap it up in a minute. I guess, like, I'm so fascinating, fascinated to hear what you're thinking about what's going on with, like, Kanye. And we need the product. I'm, I'm a big Ye fan. Me too. I can't – then I can't, I don't know what he's saying. So that's the thing. I don't, he has no points to what he's saying. So I'm going to continue to like Kanye. Right. Kanye's products. I'm just going to remove myself from Kanye, the person. When's the last time you loved a Kanye song? Like, what was it? Was it Off Life of Pablo? Oh, wait, was I, was just off listening to, I was just listening to the Pusha T album on the way here. I like that. Yeah, that, that's amazing. The whole Pusha, he produced the new Pusha T album. It's amazing. It's very good. Yeah, and I like, you know, Kanye has, I like, what I like about Kanye and what I think of when I listen to Kanye's music that he actually makes and puts, puts you know, his name behind 100 is that he, I know he has a condition where he could see music. So his chords are always just a little deeper. His sounds are always just a little bit, you know. He can see sounds. Yeah, he's just it's like it just plays Sonically. a little bit. Like even if you're not fucking with the words, like if you listen to the beat, you'll be like, "Damn, like this is crazy." I feel like Pharrell has that too a little bit. Yeah. And oh, one thing I wanted to ask you back to the being on the road and what's going on. Like for you, 
so you're in Denver and you crush it, right? And like you're on a high and you go back to like what what happens after that? Do you go out to the bar? Do you go back to the hotel room and just lock yourself in, which is what I usually do cuz I'll go out and get in trouble if I don't do that. Uh it depends on where I'm at, you know. Right. Certain places it's popping after the show, you know. Certain places you want to go out. You're in the, you know, the bar, the drinking district. You you it's it's just, you know, busy. And in certain places you're like, "All right, we just went hard right. in DC last <laughs> week." We're in, you know, whatever Ohio, Toledo. This week. Let's shut let's it down. Chill. You know, like let's just chill. I spent, right. I was in whatever. I spent this much money drinking this week. I'ma just chill, and that's how it goes. Um, and but I feel too like this is why, especially in this day and age, I'm so glad to be married because I I imagine like the whole dream of being a performer, anyone of uh, of of kind of what we do is to meet beautiful people on the road and have experiences and enjoy those experiences get old all right i don't doubt it (laughs) (laughs) those experiences get old because it's like i'm just tired of meeting people and having the same pointless conversation like you meet somebody you're talking and you're just like yeah this yeah i'm in here now you're like like, oh word you're an oral hygienist yeah exactly it's (laughs) like oh word that that's what you do like okay you're a bartender in ohio all right cool Cool. like you're you're a bottle girl in denver all right cool you're uh paralegal in in, in, (laughs) yeah it's it's like damn in saint paul it's like damn like i know it sounds like i know the listeners are gonna be like that's shallow but it's like yo like what well, it's Groundhog's Day, uh, inevitably. Yeah, it's like, what are we, what are, like, you don't know what, you're not gonna, you're not bringing anything to your life. But do you have to also be aware of the fact that, like, if perhaps, like, you met a cool person and whatever, it, it, it went further, like, I feel like you have to be so careful because one wrong move or, like, one thing nowadays and you're finished. Like, in like, what way? What are you saying? Like, like the Me Too movement type stuff? I, like, <laughs> like, if you took a crazy person home, like, it used to be finding the, the crazy girl was attractive. You know yeah. what I mean? But you don't know what they're going to say or what, like, that they could create a story at, you know, weeks after. You're like, that didn't, we had a wonderful time. Yeah. Like, you know, and it's scary out there. Yeah, that is scary. I'm to the point. Yeah, that is scary. Right. That is very scary. It is like that these days. And I'm at the point where it's just like, yeah, I can't convince you that this is the best thing going anymore. Like I don't have, you know how, right. <laughs> like now people want to film it, but it's not for, for, it's not anything naughty. It's purely for legal reasons. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, we need a recorded. Yeah. I'd stay away. I stay away. I'm, you know, yeah, you got to protect try, yourself. I try not to use Tinder that much. Right. <laughs> try. Heavy word, try. Right. I think that's probably for the best. <laughs> try. It's just, a, it's, just, it's just human Pokemon Go. That's what it is. I, you know, that's such a funny joke. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I miss the whole online dating, dating app thing, and I can't even imagine what my life would have been like had that. Yo, you're good, bro. You're good. It's addicting. Oh man! It's like you know, people who are like addicted to playing the lottery every day. Right, scratchers. That's what. That's what. That's what Tinder is. Yeah. It's like you could. You could. You know. You could win nothing. You right. could win five dollars. You yeah. could win five dollars. You could win a thousand. Yeah. <laughs> Anything <laughs> so is I possible. Need to, I need to swipe every day. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty much past. I feel like a girl. I should. I need to write it in my bio. <laughs> I'm. I'm not here to hook up. Good for you. Uh, I think I'm. I think I'm. Just addicted to swiping at this point. It's the weirdest thing. Well, you want to see if you get the match. 
it's the weirdest thing. You're just it's exciting. Addicted. It's not even exciting. It's mu- it's like the same way you flip through your Instagram. Right. It's like it's just muscle reflex. Right. I mean, I'm so like I, I've had friends too that'll I'll watch them on their Tinder and they'll be swiping and they'll like there'll be plenty of lefts. So I'm like, just go right, see what happens. You got nothing to lose. <laughs> I'd be on full right all the time. Yeah, exactly. I'm a, I'm nah. You know what? I don't. You'll be you'll go full right and then like you don't match with everyone you go right with right. at that time. But then you're open it again. And they'll be there, and you'll be like, what the fuck was what? I doing out here? It'd be better just to go to sleep. Yeah, and then sometimes, yeah, exactly. I'm so happy every time I masturbate. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. thank God it's- you fucking saved me. I'm not going to. I'll be like, hey, I come. I'm like, ah, oh, cut. They're like, what's up? I'm like, oh, I don't even want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the energy to deal with this person. Another win. Another yeah. win for your soul. Exactly. Oh, I know. That. Believe me, I know that that setup. Uh, yeah, I've never, I've never regretted being really excited or like needing to meet girls and then just deciding to jerk off and go to bed yeah it's the best i never regret it makes me feel so much better but i've oh i have regretted being out at like some awful person's apartment at four in the morning the dragon right yeah which is (laughs) oh god we're just like questioning your i'm like can i even get an uber at this do ubers like you gotta remind you you gotta remind yourself that people are doing worse you start thinking about like (laughs) (laughs) you think about your friends that are doing worse you're like you know my boy tony fucking prostitutes <laughs> yeah exactly I'm this fine. is better than that right yeah, like, my friend danny's doing fraud right now <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he just subprime mortgages um okay so last question is and i guess i'm always interested in this because like i you know i'm like a person where i i'm always into the new thing and and what's going on and like i i hate talking about the past or or that kind of stuff like is there ever like i feel like so many people when you're interviewed will bring up like your family or your brothers or whatever. Is there a little part of you that's like, I want to talk about that? Um, no, I'm all good. It's a part of me. So right. I can't be ashamed of what's a part of me. Yeah. It's, I think that's probably a very healthy take on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's like, I can't escape it. You know, it's embedded in me, you know, right. and it's not too many families like this. So it's like, why would I, why would I denounce that? Thank you so much. No, oh, no problem, man. man. Thanks for having me, this bro. This has been awesome. You want to plug anything? Uh, what can Denver? I plug? What can I plug? <laughs> this uh, might not go up in time for Denver. I know. But... <laughs> just follow me on Instagram at JordanRock843. Be on the lookout for Safe Word coming on MTV soon. Dope. And uh, The After Party coming out on Netflix in the fall. Love it. Awesome, yo. Respect. Thank you, man. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me, bro. Of course. That was it. Jordan Rock, what a guy, right? A dreamboat, an incredible human. I'm so lucky that that happened. You're welcome, everyone, America and other countries, uh, the U.S. Virgin Islands, perhaps, if you're listening, Puerto Rico, you know, territories, um, Alaska. I mean, just even places that aren't part of the continental United States. Um, have a great week, guys. Hope you enjoyed me and Heavy and our little... Uh, a little chop up session earlier and uh love you guys okay see you next week okay bye oh next week my boy neve shulman on the pod you're gonna love it a very special interview can't wait to share it okay why is this outro taking so long shut up josh okay bye